welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me as always is Court Winsett. Hello. And there's the opening bell. Court, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, well, I'm, I'd like to think that I'm grown up now, so I guess whatever it is I'm doing now, but <laughs> when I was a kid, and people asked me that question, I always said I wanted to be a, an actor. Oh, an actor. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. I have a feeling that a lot of you listening were either asked this as a child, or you may ask this every time you see a kid, because it's just kind of one of those that... Make sure you really punch that K in ask. Katie, because you said, I'm sure some of you were really asses as a child. <laughs> That's what Asked. I heard. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Lord. Uh, we're sure that many of you were asked this asked as a it. child. Excuse me. Now we're, I mean, we're going to make fun of me for not being able to say the B names. Now mm. you're going to make fun of the way I say that. Okay, we'll see. My point, what do you want to be when you grow up? That is a question that you were asked a lot as a child. Yes. And you now probably, as an impulse, when you're around kids, maybe awkward, like you don't know what to talk to them about, you're like, oh, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. I know I'm guilty of it. It's just kind of a go-to question. Who's your favorite action hero? What's your favorite color? And what do you want to be? Yeah, I don't care because I don't like children, so I don't tend to ask them questions like that. Because I'm like, I want to be a director of operations. Like, <laughs> see, that's that's exactly my point, Cam. Is because so many people, so many kids, they answer by either what their parents do, what TV shows they've watched, or what's really around them. They don't know outside of their little bubble the opportunities of jobs out there. A lot of time, it's first responders. That's what kids. Think of it's firefighter, policeman, astronaut. They're yes. heroes. Princesses, I want to be a dinosaur. You know, you know stuff like that. Because kids. No, I dinosaurs. literally had a kid tell me once he wanted to be a dinosaur when he grew up. Well, that's you've been talking to my son. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the reason that you know this question's asked, it's usually a lot of parents don't take a lot of validity to it. They're just like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um. So this episode, we kind of want to talk about the impact of that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Because even when we're asking a young kid, it's important to always have an idea of what you want, but not stay so stuck on that one dream that you're, you know, you're hindering yourself. Because a lot of times those careers that you're so passionate about, are those passions do not turn into careers. Or they may turn into careers, but careers with no money. Right. You know, um, a good example of this is I, before I ever started college, I pretty much gave up on the dream of being an actor. But it, it I, I... Showing the club. It was something that, that I, through the end of high school, I was really pretty intent upon. But by the time I actually started college, I had decided that I was going to be a double major in biology and psychology and go to medical school and eventually be a psychiatrist. And it took me exactly one semester to decide <laughs> that that was also not the right path for me. So I pivoted. Pivot. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an important key of this because... You know, the thing is also the perfect job that may be what you end up doing may have not even been created yet. You think about it, the future is endless. There are so many industries that are changing every single day, industries that are shutting down. And so you have to be able to adapt. And I think so much of it is we don't teach enough about the in-between jobs, the stepping stones, what you have to do in order to get to that goal or to make yourself have all these extra skill sets to put yourself in a position to get these. And so with it, that kind of goes into our top five. Just in case everybody isn't exactly clear what this episode is about, what 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 we're really talking about here is career. Mm-hmm. Career choosing, 
career selection, careers overall, career changes, everything, you know, everything that goes into that from, from when you decide what you're going to do and how you have to go about doing it all the way through to actually succeeding and doing whatever it is you're, you were hoping to, to do. Yeah. Cause very few people go, I'm going to be an astronaut and then end up being an astronaut. I mean, there's a select group, yeah, but yeah. we, I mean, I'm, and I, I imagine the, the majority of the people who are astronauts actually dreamed of being astronauts. I doubt very seriously that that's the they type just of fell into that it. you just <laughs> fall into. But, you know, other people end up in jobs that they love perfectly well that they never, you know, they never dreamed of of becoming a, a whatever. You know, I, ask ask any seven-year-old, ask a hundred seven-year-olds what do they want to be when they grow up and not one of them is going to say, I want to be a human resources director. <laughs> yeah, life is a fascinating maze of doors that are locked or open and it takes you to other mazes and it's just crazy because yeah. I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was little. Mm. And then I wanted to be an actor. In college, I studied news, broadcast, journalism. Mm. Sure. Because you're on TV. Right. And then I didn't want to do that. And I found this job and I love it. Back to the whole list thing. One of the points that we're going to be making repeatedly is you're not necessarily going to graduate high school or graduate college or, you know, step out the door and on your first try, get the dream job that you've always wanted. There are a lot of people out there that have started in jobs in completely different fields or very low level jobs in the field they wanted to be in and built their way up. You know, people start in all sorts of crazy jobs before they ever get to their actual dream job. Oh, yeah. So our list this week, because it's not really a top five list. You're um, right. And uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that in a, in a little further detail just in just a second. But uh, our list this week is a list of celebrities and the job that they had before they became celebrities. We're mm-hmm. each going to do five. So we got 15 because Cameron's joining in. Yes, we're Woo-hoo! letting him talk yep. again. hey <laughs> So here is our list. Yes. Famous people, their job before. So Christopher Walken was actually a lion tamer. Before he was the famous actor. Before he was a famous actor. Uh, Danny DeVito. Was actually a, it's a, he's a he's a hairdresser before he was an actor. Yeah, he worked at his sister's salon. <laughs> Steve Buscemi was a firefighter, and he actually returned to his firefighter roots after nine eleven. Right, immediately following nine eleven, he he like Which went is and awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty impressive. Not only is he a talented actor, but he you know still cares about his community and his country. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Okay, Terry Crews. Uh, you know. I didn't know him really as an NFL star. I feel kind of bad about that. I knew him as an actor. Yeah. But so he, before that, he actually was a courtroom sketch artist. So, which means that he can draw, which is it, kind is of... a whole nother talent yeah. that and we didn't And also know. he's an accomplished flautist. Flautist? Uh, really? Yes. yes. Uh, who knew? Who knew? Um, okay. Um, number five is Hugh Jackman was a, uh, he was a party clown and a physical education teacher before he became. Could you imagine now? Like, it's like, yeah, Hugh Jackman, like, taught me dodgeball. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. Wolverine playing dodgeball. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg was a beautician at a morgue. Oof. That's dark. Mm. Yes. Okay, good old Sly. Sylvester Stallone cleaned lion cages in the Central Park Zoo. Of course he did. I mean, <laughs> that just makes sense. I mean, I guess they thought, like, 
the lions would think that like he's so big that maybe he was a lion too, just walking on two legs. I, I, I imagine he just he walked into the 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 lion cage and he said sit, and they did because <laughs> it's Sylvester Stallone. I mean, I, I would sit if he told me to sit. Wanda Sykes, comedian. Wanda Sykes. Mm-hmm. She, I love this one. I'm glad I got to say this one because this one is this one's pretty cool. She worked for the NSA before That's she awesome. became famous. The, the National Security Agency, for those not in the know. <laughs> That's awesome. Harrison Ford, before he, uh, you know, kicked off with Star Wars and Indiana Jones, all that good stuff, he was a carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's a, that's a very famous story. Yes. Um, it's probably probably the, the most well-known of actors who, he of course had a role in um, American Graffiti, mm-hmm. uh, and he was, he was sort of a, a standout star from that, and he thought he was, you know, he thought he'd gotten his break and he was about to go back to carpentry when uh he got offered the role of han solo so worked out well for him oh yeah okay christopher lee worked for the worked for the intelligence service okay that's pretty cool yeah now of course christopher lee he's he's british so when you say the intelligence service you're talking about the british intelligence yes presumably um okay so I'm going to say this. Bob Ross was um, was a sergeant in the Air Force. Now, it's important. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I assume everybody knows who Bob Ross is. I mean, but we found out recently in our office that not everybody knows who Bob yeah, Ross okay, is. Okay, so Bob Ross was this amazingly <laughs> soothing painter that I grew up watching on PBS, and he, so happy my generation, happy yeah, trees. my generation especially loved Bob Ross. Anytime I had to stay home from school sick or whatever, fro. I would always watch Bob Ross. Let's put some, let's put some more happy trees in there. So he was a sergeant. <laughs> he was a sergeant in the military before he started painting. Maybe happy that's trees. why he had a fro. Yeah, he probably he let it grow out it. after yeah. he after he retired. And Gal Gadot, you know Wonder Woman, no mm-hmm. big deal. She served in the Israeli Defense Forces, and that makes so much sense. Wonder she's Woman, a yeah, she is. Well, okay. So just to be fair, every single Israeli ends up. You have to. It's mandatory that you serve two years. In. Oh, okay. So she, she. I mean, she did it, and she legitimately was, was, was. You know, in the military in Israel, but everybody has to over there. So um, what she did immediately following that was she became a model because she's hot. gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. We talked about, uh, you know, if Hugh Jackman was your PE teacher, what about Cheryl Crow being a music teacher at an elementary school? Yeah, I can see myself now. Cheryl Crow taught me how to play a recorder. Exactly. <laughs> Every, I mean, did y'all learn how to play the recorder in elementary school? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think parents. like That, that was teachers' payback to parents of like, oh, yeah, take your recorder home and learn how to play this. So, Hot cross um, buns. <laughs> So before he was wanted dead or alive, John Bon Jovi was making Christmas decorations. That's awesome. (laughs) Here, we need some more glitter over here. Some more holly. (laughs) And wrapping up the list, Pierce... Okay, do you want to say his last name? No, thank you. Pierce Brosnan was a professional fire eater. That just blows my mind. I wonder if he and Hugh Jackman hung out in their early careers. Because Hugh was a... uh, What was he, a clown? He was a clown. He was a party clown. Well, I mean, you think about it. Christopher Walken was the lion tamer. And then you've got... Hugh Jackman was the party clown. And who was the one cleaning up the... uh, Sly. Sly was cleaning up... The lion thing. He was, we're on got, our way to a circus. We yeah, got a we circus. got we got we pretty much got a we got the good start for We a should tell here. all these guys to get back together, get the gang back. Amazing. So um that is the end of our list. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, you might have noticed that lately we have more and more been moving away from the idea of a top five list just between Katie and I, uh, talking about other topics, uh, bringing in Twitter nugs every now and then. Um, we have uh, considered the, doing uh, some minor rebranding for, uh, for next season because we are closing in on the end of season two. And so we are considering doing some rebranding for the next season. Um, and uh, we're probably going to, we'll still be doing this, this portion of our podcast every episode. But since a lot of times it's no longer a top five, we want to come up with something that's a little bit different. Something that's more related to Bull, because obviously Bull is our brand. Um, we're also going to be, in just a moment, we'll be moving into our meat and potatoes. Of course, the main course of our... Or we could call it... Moving into the bullpen. Yes, we could call it that. I don't like that name. <laughs> um, I, 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 if we're trying to find a, a we've got bull- a couple more episodes for season three for yeah. me to argue this point. Well, I mean, I'm just okay. So here's my here's my thing. Okay, bullpen- battle royale time. Here we go. <laughs> Court, sell us. <laughs> Sell us your idea. Well, uh, first, let me sell you on not Katie's idea because I mean, rude. I, <laughs> very, the bullpen is is generally speaking, you know, it's in a lot of offices. Granted, a lot of financial offices, but also a lot of newspapers have a bullpen. A lot of uh, other kinds of businesses have a bullpen. It's basically that area in the middle of the office where a bunch of desks are together. And it's where a lot of the madness and the creativity and everything happens. It's where all of the stuff comes together to make it happen. And it's also in baseball. It is in baseball, which is, again, it's that's where, where your pitchers, the pitchers are warming are up, getting warming ready up to go to the game. Before they go into the game. And what okay. is meat and potatoes? Meat and potatoes is the game for us. Meat and or, potatoes is or, the main section. Or is it we are having people come into our circle, come into our bullpen, learn this information before they go out into life, which is their game. That's just a stretch. So Katie. we know Katie wants um, bullpen. She wants, what do you, what do you want? hardcore. She wants bullpen. I was thinking more like it's the main part of our it's the main part of our podcast. So it's it's more like once you get out there and you're actually riding the bull. It's the bull ride, baby. So why don't y'all ride the bull with me? You ready to ride the bull? What we're gonna do here is I'm gonna put this up to a social media poll over the next couple weeks, and we're gonna give it to the people and see what they want: the bullpen or riding the bull. And Cameron, if you come up with a if you come up with a suggestion that you think fits well with, maybe we stick with with sort of the entree themed uh, meat and potatoes idea, but make it more more bull centric. Uh, if we could come up with something like that, then where we could is throw the beef? In. Yeah, where's the beef? Something like that. Uh, then we could we could throw that in there as well. But um, yeah, do you want to do you want to go to Katie's bullpen or do you want to ride the bull with Court? Or do you want to eat beef with Kim? <laughs> well, anyways, we're moving into the meat and potatoes part now, but yes. I will keep you updated on the poll. Okay, so times are changing. Nowadays, you aren't hearing as much about people being in a job for 25 years, and you are not hearing as much about college. You're hearing a lot of more scuttlebutt going around about these other jobs that are out there, and that... You know, this is something that with kids are coming home and they've got these student loan debts and it's just so many people are crippled with student loans. And so there's a lot of conversations about picking the career mm. and making sure that these kids, you know, adults as well that are prepared for it. Because what happens? They go off, they get this college degree, they're stacked with these student loans 
And they come home. Home to my house. house. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, boomerang kids is a thing. And it's apparently, uh, it's, it's apparently increased just here recently. So basically the term refers to this idea that, you know, parents, you send your, your children out of the home, uh, frequently off to college. You think to yourselves, they're going to go out and go to college and get a degree and then leave college and get a job and then support themselves. And so you can go ahead and convert their, their bedroom into your craft room right, or workout room. Exactly. <laughs> Kick them off your cell plan. You know, you're not paying them an allowance They're off anymore. the payroll. Instead, what happens with boomerang kids is they come back home because they can't find a job. Yeah, so this phenomenon is the adult children returning home. And it really is, I mean, there's various reasons that it could be that they can't find a job, that they're crippled with student loans and they're not making enough money in the job they're in, so they need to come back to mom and dad's. I mean, yes, we will admit there are some where it's something tragic has happened and they do need to come back. So we're not saying boomerang kids are bad. We're just no. We're, we're not, not judging. I mean, listen. Yeah. I've got a kid at home right now that's is working in a job that she she probably couldn't live outside of our house right now with the job that she has. But she's also trying very hard to find other jobs. Yeah. So this is not a criticism of of the happening, but it is a symptom of the of our main point of this conversation, which is to college or not to college. Yeah, and pick and dealing with the career yeah, and learning about the pivoting career and learning learning how to learning how to pivot. pivot. Yes, you did mention the numbers, Court. So um, to give you the hard numbers, in 2016, 15% of millennials lived in their parents' home. Fast forward four years, this figure has jumped to 52% of young adults living with their parents. Yes, we do admit there was some big changes in 2020. So yeah. that did play into it a lot. That definitely affected our our, our loved, loved and this child. And this isn't just in the United States. This actually in the UK, children boomeranging back home has given rise to the acronym KIPPER, K-I-P-P-E-R-S, Kids in Parents' Pockets Eroding Retirement Savings. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I love. I also love the fact that right now they're, they're, they're calling this particular generation uh, the boomerang generation, and I hope to goodness that name sticks. Dadgum millennials. <laughs> yes, well, and I think it's there's some other term where it's because you've got adult children coming back home, but then you've got aging parents, so some people could be hit with their children coming back and their parents coming to live with them, My and so it is just a lantern. massive... That would be... Wow. Which in the United States, especially, like we don't have that culture. There are other cultures where multiple generations live under one household. Together, yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay, so changing career, it's all about the pivot. The average person, this shocked me, will change careers five to seven times during their working life. Change careers, not just jobs. This is careers, complete changes, which is crazy. Yeah. With an ever increasing number of career choices, 30% of the workforce will now change careers or jobs every 12 months. So, I mean, you're not even giving it a, a, a year chance. I mean, you're changing so quickly. And only 21% of college graduates use more of their education in their work or career. 21%. Mm-hmm. So, when you're sitting there crippled with all that student loan debt, 21% of these college graduates are using their education? That's crazy. And the average number of jobs for a lifetime is 12 12 jobs mm-hmm. in your lifetime. And and I think it's that's going back to the, the question we started off with, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because I feel like I know I kind of had this image of you, you go to school and then you have it one job. I didn't picture that it was multiple jobs. Well, you know, I, it was not until 
much later on in my life that I just realized how many amazing jobs there were out there that you could do. Oh, yeah. And, and so, like, you know, when I was trying to decide what career I wanted at the age of 18, you know, I didn't even know what all the possibilities were, much less something that I was going to stick to for the rest of my life. You know, famously in our office, our boss, David Pickler, uh, he he knew, absolutely knew that he was going to be a lawyer. But, but he was prescient enough to know that plans don't necessarily always go the way you intend them to. So he had contingencies while he was in college about what he would do if he didn't go to law school. Now, in David's case, he did end up ultimately going to law school, but yeah. right out of college, he went into HR. And then he was a, a he went to to work for Xerox. And while he was at Xerox, that's when he started law school. And then he ended up leaving Xerox and went into the financial world. So, you know, that's that's right there over the course of, by the time I think he was 22, 22 or 22, yeah. he, he had already changed careers, you know, three times. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and you hit a point, you're 18, you, unless you are at some of the schools, which um, I know we've talked about before, like a lot of the schools are now starting to work on workforce development and trying to introduce these high school kids to different things. But you are 18 years old, you were graduating from high school, you were going to college. So you've picked this college, you're picking a major do you honestly really know what you want to do? I know from my story, like I, my mom was a teacher and my dad was an attorney. I didn't really at a young age picture that he was doing the financial stuff, even though he's been doing it for as long as I've been around. And I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. I did two and a half years of college with education. And it wasn't until that uh, first semester, my third year that our second year that I determined, okay, we got to get a, in-person internship with a teacher. And I realized I hated it. I did not like that there was all these restrictions on what I could and couldn't do. And like, I wanted to be creative and they were going to limit my creativity. So I spent all that time wasted on going down a career path that wasn't going to be working for me. They're actually suggesting, and parents, if you don't want your kid to hear this, then I'm sorry, but they're suggesting that if you don't have the resources while the kid's in high school to really explore all the different options and see what's out there, that some kids almost need a gap year before going to college, before spending all of that money to really figure out where do they want to go. And if they don't know where they want to go, then maybe picking a major that can be applied in several different ways. Don't pick a psychology degree if you're never going to go get your doctorate Mm. or you're never going to get your teaching license to teach psychology. Mm. What are you going to do with the psychology degree? You know, that's what David recommended is he wasn't, he started out as a poli sci, which then that makes sense if you're going to law school. But then he knew what if, what if he couldn't go to law school? So Mm. then he switched his degree to a business and have Mm. a lot more of finance and all of that involved as kind of a backup. I mean, here in Memphis, there was the slogan that was like every day, every child college bound. That's not the message we want anymore. No, it's not. Because really, one of the things that you said is, you know, parents don't get mad at me, but I'm going to suggest maybe your kid needs to take a gap year. Well, maybe your kid doesn't need to go to college at all. Exactly. Uh, if And it, under either of those circumstances, uh, if they're just taking a gap year, but they are going to go to college, or if they're just not going to go to college at all, hopefully they're going to get a job so if they're taking a gap year, I'm not. We're not talking about like let them spend a year in Europe. No, no. let them take a year and explore options and work and make some money and you know whatever. Or 
let them go to a a technical school and mm-hmm. actually learn a trade that you know you can be very very financially successful in a lot of trades that do not require a bachelor's degree from a from a four year university or even a two year degree. I, I'm I am a big fan of uh, Micro and Micro Works. His, his nonprofit that that basically is out there trying to get the message out that, hey, we've got a lot of skilled labor positions that we need to fill here yeah. in America that do not require a college degree. I mean, you, so, think, you think about on a given day, you need that electrician to come make sure your power, you know, your electrical is working. You need that cable guy to come and make sure that's run. You need the dryer repair. You need to make sure that you know, here in Memphis, that they're inspecting the bridge and that they're knowing how to repair it. Mm-hmm. So there are so many jobs that actually, uh, you know, we have the Bull TV. I don't know if you checked it out yet, but it's a TV show that David does. And um, Cassie, who was a guest of ours a while back, she actually said on that episode that trade jobs or like vocational school, they have bad PR because for so long, it seemed like the elite. You, you, you were looked down upon if you didn't go to college. But the thing is, is like, you know, most hairdressers, they don't have to go to college. They can just get a certificate. But I love my hairdresser. I can't live without my hairdresser. And that's a constant paying gig. Mm-hmm. Plumbers, welders, all of that. Those We've got to flip the script and not have those looked down upon. And we've actually got another list here of jobs that don't require a degree. No, no, Katie. We can't do any more lists. Oh. We've... we've We've left the we've left the, the the list section of our show. We're now in the riding the bull section of the show. So no no or more the bullpen. <laughs> this is the this is the or, notice or the where's the beef section. Um, <laughs> Just eating burgers. <laughs> so these are jobs that don't require a degree, and then kind of rough about how much you could make. Plumbers fifty five thousand a year, and the unemployment rate for this is three point two percent. I mean, we need plumbers, and we need people to learn this trade for sure. I mean, I know. I, I'm not going to know what to do with my pipes first. No idea. Flight attendant, mm-hmm. 57000 So if you you enjoy going and traveling, this is a great job. Wow. Commercial pilot. Now, this one kind of blew my mind because most of the pilots that I, that I personally know did go to college, but a lot of them went to college, did the ROTC thing, went into the military, mm-hmm. learned how to fly jets in the military, and then came out after flying jets in the military and... Went to, you know, went to into the commercial area. I mean, but technically, I it, you don't have to have the degree to get the job. You have mm-hmm. to have the hours. You have to have the training and the schooling. Oh, yeah, obviously, but, yeah. But I don't think anyone's going to say, oh, you didn't go to, you know, University of Memphis for four years and get a bachelorate in basket weaving. Right. <laughs> this one was interesting. Elevator and escalator installer and repairer. I mean, how many times do you use an elevator and escalator? A good bit. Uh, yeah, I just wouldn't. That's the kind of thing I wouldn't even think that there was like a person that they specialize in in, in installation of elevators. That person can make eighty five thousand a year. That's uh, that's a pretty that's penny. incredible. I, I mean, there's a lot of them in New York. Oh, I'm sure. Oh gosh, yeah. I bet you could make a lot of money as a person doing that in New York. Yeah, postmasters seventy seven thousand. I mean, you, you need your mail. Yep. Police and detectives sixty six thousand. Electrical power line installers and repairs, 66000 Real estate brokers, 60000 Aerospace engineering, 61000 Again, another one that really surprises me that because it would seem to me like you would need to go to college and get, I don't know, an engineering degree before you could be an aerospace engineer. But. I mean, and, and 
there might be some certain jobs that require a four-year degree. Yeah. But these particularly, it could be that if you have the trade school, you have the certifications, and just because you don't have to go to a four-year college doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Like, technically... You still might have to go to a school. It just may not be a four-year degree university or college. Yeah. We had a client the other day ask um, myself and a coworker, what did did we have to go to school for to do what we do? Mm -hmm. We were doing a financial plan with them, and... She's like, oh, did you have to get a math degree or something? I was like, actually, no. Like, I have an organizational communications degree. I was a nonprofit before this, but I've taken all of the licensing exams and the certifications that I need, and I'm working on the CFP to be a certified financial planner. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that trademark. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is that you know I'm now able to do this, but there was no. I didn't have to go back to school to do it. I just had to study and take on-demand classes and do things and get tests done. And so, yeah, some of these careers, you think about it, you don't have to spend all of that large amounts of money. You can really a la carte it Mm -hmm. and just take what you have to take. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, well, I'm not going to jump ahead of that because you do need, you can't just go and get a certification. You got to take care of yourself and make sure you're a smart person. <laughs> yes, people. Well, do please, well, God, make sure you're a smart person. A well-rounded person. Those soft skills. I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, a gaming manager at a casino makes sixty-five thousand. That's pretty awesome. So, I mean, you you love playing the slots. Go be a manager. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder how much the, the people. I. I, I I, I've never, I've, I know people that work at at the casinos. I've never asked one of them like, hey, how much do you gamble? Because, I've, but I wonder if, if the, I mean, you know, it seems like if they you're probably working, don't. If you're working for the house, you've got to know how much the odds are in the house. Yeah. And you probably steer, steer clear of a lot of that, but. Yeah. Uh, air traffic controller. This one shocked me. 122,000. Actually, no, that one doesn't shock me because I know a couple of air traffic controllers and they make banks. See, I guess I just was picturing from the movies, like those are the guys that are always like on a break when you need them to be there or something. Obviously, that's not real, but I didn't realize that they were making that much money. Oh, They're yeah. making more than the commercial pilots on this You're, list. Yeah. Are, are you, are, are, are both of you too young to remember the, the, the strike, the air traffic controller strike back in the 80s during Reagan's presidency? Yeah. Back in the 1920s. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big deal back then. Okay. They all went on strike and Reagan was like, nope. You're fired. And <laughs> Oh yeah, cuz that's what we, we know somebody who likes to say he got fired by Reagan yeah. because he yeah. yeah. Okay. Um and then a construction manager. Yeah, that's a dirty job, but 95,000. Mm-hmm. Um I do have to say I, I know a guy very well. He uh um because of family reasons, he never finished high school. He did go back and get his What's it called? It's it used to be called the GED. GED. There you go. Yeah. They call it something else now, but it used to be called the okay, GED. Okay, so he got that, mm-hmm. but he never went to college. He became mayor of Germantown and has run a very successful door and construction company for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And that's what like he always will tell people, like, I didn't have a formal education, but this is what I've done with my life. Yeah. Sixty nine percent of the most in demand jobs coming up are not going to require that traditional four-year college degree. Wow, people, are is your mind blown yet? Because that just blew my 69%, mind. 69%, y'all. <laughs> I mean, come on. That, that should tell you something of when we're thinking about these kids, not forcing them to go into college if that's not the right track for them. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, again, it's that stigma of, 
oh, what kid is, what college does your kid go to? It shouldn't be that stigma. It really should be about figuring out where you want to be, but also being able to adapt. So these, yeah. let's take example, these boomerang kids that are coming home. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe some of them have a degree and they've done something with that, but they're now stuck. I'm proud of my daughter for for where she went to school, for the fact that she got in, for the fact that she graduated, for the fact that she did it in four years. She's very, very intelligent, and I'm very proud of her. I would be just as proud of her if she had not gone to school, but she was making $122,000 now. <laughs> as you an know. air traffic controller. Yeah, I mean, if somebody came up to me, if I had a kid that didn't go to college, but they were making bank, and the parent, some some other parent was like, oh, where did your child go to school? I wouldn't be like, oh, they didn't go to school. I'd be like, well, they didn't go to school, but they're making more than your kid is, and they're not in debt. Because it doesn't matter if you're like, oh, I went to Harvard, but now you can't find a job and you're just living off of that you went to Harvard. Yes, you want to appreciate what they've gone to school for. Yes, you want to still have their dream in mind, but it's about adapting and pivoting and figuring out what are steps I can take now to get me to that. Like like we use the example of David. He eventually became a lawyer. Mm-hmm. But he made different steps that was what was needed for him at that time to make sure he still had an income coming in, that he was taking care of his family. And so I think that it's just helping people understand, breaking the stigma, breaking the bubble of you don't go out of college and immediately come into that job that you're going to do for the rest of your life or that career. I mean, you know, I guess we can't, just like you can't generalize everybody gets their dream job right out of college. You also can't generalize generalize that nobody does. I mean, I'm no. sure there are some people that luck into it, but uh, and you know, having a having a Harvard degree probably will help you if you if there's a speci- very specific career that you want to go into that does need that degree. So we're not dogging the idea of going to college. Not at all. We're just saying that, you know, going to college isn't the be all end all of of selecting a career because mm-hmm. uh, or of of making you able to get a career. It's it it can be part of it. But it doesn't have to be. And it's about using your different things to help build you who you are. So, okay, I I worked at a nonprofit and now I'm here. So I'm able to use my skill sets from working at a nonprofit into this work that I'm doing now. And just as Court, you know, we've listed, he's had a ton of different outlets that he's gone down. Mm-hmm. And each of them he's able to use with his day-to-day life. I just call it adding letters, baby. <laughs> I'm just adding letters after my name. I'm just, just going to keep on doing it, too. And it's because you're a lifelong learner. And that's key. Because it's... I mean, it's a crazy world out there. There, As we said at the beginning, the industries can be destroyed overnight. Mm. They are constantly changing. And you have to... It's not survival of the fittest. It's the survival of those most apt to adapt. Mm-hmm. So that means that if you have your goal set on staying in a certain career or getting somewhere, you've got to be willing to keep going back and learning and adapting. And if that dream job isn't there, create that dream job. Make it relevant. I joke all the time with Court over here because, you know, we, we have three firms within Pickler Companies and it's uh, actually four, but you're not going to try and take over my events. <laughs> so we have the the CPA firm and we've got the law firm and we've got the wealth advising firm. And so uh, Court obviously is an attorney. He has his licensing for wealth advising. He's working with me. We're both doing the CFP. Trademark. <laughs> and um, I keep joking that, well, he's I'm going to turn around and he's going to be studying for the CPA exam. <laughs> Which I promise you I'm not, but... <laughs> but it's, I think that Court's making himself very, uh, very relevant 
um, because he wants to make sure that he's well-rounded and can, whatever comes our way, he can adapt and move that direction. And so I think it's, that's a lesson that we need to be teaching kids that it's, hey, like, I know you probably don't want to go and take this job working front desk at this office that's going to seem mundane, but you don't know what doors those will open. Cam, you said it earlier that life is nothing but doors shutting and doors opening. And it's really just looking for those opportunities because you, oh, I'm getting on a soapbox, y'all. You never know who the person you talk to is going to be the person that opens up your door. So be nice to the busboy, be nice to the person taking your order at Starbucks, be nice to everybody because that person could be the one that gives you your next opportunity. I do not remember where I learned this, but there are a couple of things that I learned. Uh, and one of one of them was very much, when you go in for a job interview, make sure you're nice to the receptionist. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've always made it a point to be, you know, once I walk into a building where I'm interviewing for a job, I am nice to every person I see because you never know who the the person who is actually responsible for hiring, you never know whose opinion they're going to look to to see, hey, did you like this person? So, um, yeah, that's one. I remember in college, uh, in college, I was a business major. I was about to go off on this rant earlier. We've kind of passed it now, so I'll, I'll sort of leave it alone. But, you know, how many schools, how many degree colleges and so forth and universities actually give you job training. You know, you, they when don't. You, Trade schools do, but yeah. I, I got a business degree from a college and and um, you know, it's not like the day I graduated I could have gone and taken over for Fred Smith. I didn't know how how all of the, the the things work because you don't there are very few types of schools that really give that. The one exception I can think of off the top of my head like that is doctors. Oh yeah, doctors and yeah. nursing like yeah. they put you hands but, on. But law school, I mean a doctor has to go through all this this whole this whole long line of of training and on the job work and residency and so forth before they can actually practice and and you know be a, an attending physician whereas the day I graduated from law school, well not the I graduated from law school, but the day I passed the bar Mm -hmm. without any other training whatsoever, I could have gone out and hung up a shingle and said, I'm an attorney and I can help you with your murder trial. And I may have failed miserably. There are, there are, you know, certain requirements, ethical requirements of an attorney to, to actually be good and do well, but we had no job training. You know, there's nothing like that. And so I do kind of tend to remember the little things that my school did do for me. Like, for instance, we had a formal dinner where they specifically were focused on this is how you eat and these are the things that you do if you're at a job interview that's kind of like etiquette over lunch. Yeah. Yeah. But very, very specific to job interview, lunch, this is how you handle it. Job interview, dinner, this is how you handle it. Did you go to school at Downton Abbey? So I'm thinking that's kind of like cotillion that I went to back in the day. But so those kind of wrap into those soft skills. Yeah. So your hard skills are the ones that you've learned to actually do the field you're going to go into. Those are what you're studying for. But those soft skills are ones that are kind of dying. And that is shaking someone's hand for a guy, learning how to tie a tie, learning how to address someone. Yes, ma'am, you know, no ma'am, sir, whatever it may be. Learning how to write a thank you note. Mm-hmm. Learning how to, um, you know, just present yourself. I think about, and here's a disclaimer, like y'all that are boomerang kids, or if you're not even, do not be intimidated that you don't have all the credentials that is needed to apply for a job. 
my uh, first real big girl job that I went to with JDRF, I did not have all the requirements they needed. I didn't have the years of experience. I was extremely young for that position, but I, you know, put a resume together, put a cover letter together, and I got the interview. And I knew walking in there, I had to sell myself. And I flat out said, I know that I do not have the years of experience that you need for this job, but let me tell you why. Let me tell you my passion and my hunger that I can make sure I can do this job if you give me a chance. I got two questions to ask you. What? What color was your resume? <laughs> it was white. I did not go with pink and scented. <laughs> you didn't do scented no, either. That was going to be my second question. Okay. I didn't, but it, it was also one of those I wanted to do without my dad. And so, because he had always taught me of, you need to be able to sell yourself. And those are soft skills. That's making sure that you're able to talk, that you're able to have eye contact with someone. Mm -hmm. um, and that's... I remember in college, one of my communication classes was actually doing handshakes and learning how to, one of them was even if you got on spot interviewed by a news crew, how would you handle it? I thought it was so bizarre, but it was, they gave us facts real fast and then we had to like under pressure talk and it was cool. What are you doing, Court? I am eliminating eye contact. He put on his NASCAR shades. <laughs> he put on his NASCAR shades. <laughs> Uh, but it's, you know, it's revamping yourself. I mean, Cam, I know you've worked with Cassie on some of that stuff with the hard and hard and soft skills. You got anything? Yeah, the, well, the soft skills, I think you've said all of this, but the soft skills in a lot of instances are the things that are going to get you the job. They're going to differentiate you from other people. Court, you're shaking your ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I, just hitting home what you said again, it's the eye contact, the handshaking, the selling yourself. That's what will get you the job. You can learn the hard skills later. Yeah. You can be taught those. And it could be that it's, they're sitting there looking at someone and you both have the exact same experience. You both went to, you know, you have everything on paper that looks identical. But if that person comes in with an ego, like, yeah, I got this. I, I you know, I went to Harvard. I, I graduated. I, I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. And doesn't try and sell themselves at all. And then you've got another person that is very passionate and you feel like can fit with your team. They're going to get the job. So it's not necessarily if you don't have all the hard skills, but if you've got those incredible soft skills. Yeah, I'll give you an example just from a personal experience of a job interview that I went through. It was a rather drawn out uh, interview process. There are many, many steps to it. Um, I remember going into basically what it, what ended up being the final interview. I'm not sure if it would have been the final interview if, if, if things had gone differently, but it ended up being the final interview for me anyway. Um. And I had a, I had, I, I talked to the person that I was, that I, that was interviewing me. And I basically said rather bluntly, kind of like you did in your interview, Hey, by the way, I know that I may not have the experience that you're looking for in, in this particular position, but I've got, uh, I'm, I'm very, very capable of learning. Uh, you've got an incredible training program and I'm sure I can do that with, with that in consideration, I know I can do this job. And I got a call from them, uh, a rejection call from them later on, uh, like three or four weeks later. And it had been such a drawn out process that I was kind of fed up with the whole thing anyway. It had gone, this had gone on over the course of six months or a year oh, or something. Wow. Yeah, it was really, really drawn out. Then finally, after that last interview, I had sent an email and sort of reiterated, hey, I may not know everything that you want this person to know, but I can learn it real quick. And I got a call from the, the guy rejecting me like three or four weeks later 
Uh, and when he called, uh, he said, uh, you know, just want to let you know, so this, this is the status or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I kind of just, you know, I'm not surprised. I, I kind of figured y'all had just blown me off cause I hadn't heard from you in a while <laughs> because at this point I was just like, I was so over it. Yeah. But what he said was, well, we decided that you just don't fit in our culture. Ouch. And that's a uh. tough thing to hear because that basically means we don't like you. Yeah, that's the way I that's the way I I read his statement was like you're a jerk face. I we we don't like you. Move along. So it's obviously I was missing something in these. The, my point is yeah. I was obviously missing something in that soft skill department yeah. if I. If I if I was unable to fit in their culture, you know. And so what'd you do? You pivoted, right? Oh sure, yeah. You brushed yourself off and you figured out, okay, let's go another direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something else I want to throw out there is if your kids, if you, if you were thinking about switching careers, most people are nice enough that if you go to a place that is in a field you think you want to be in, if they have time, they'll take an interview with you. Like just a, not an interview of like trying to get a job, but just to pick your brain and say like, hey, I'm thinking about going to law school or I'm thinking about becoming an advisor or getting into TV. Could you talk to me about it? And most people will be okay with talking to someone and then you'll be able to figure out in that moment, no, this really isn't what I want to do or yeah, I want to do that. And because you've opened up this door, if this person really likes you, they may help open up other doors. Doesn't mean they're going to give you a job, but they may introduce you to other people that could give you an internship or an opportunity. Katie, I find it interesting that you you went away from education because of all the rules and regulations, and you ended up in finances. I know. With, with <laughs> no rules and regulations. Yeah, we don't have any rules over here. Not at all. Hello, compliance. <laughs> but that's why, even though, yes, I'm, you know, by day I'm financial advisor, and I really enjoy it because I do get to help people every day um, you know, meet their goals and really make sure that they're going to be okay financially. But I also at night get to, you know, do events and in here, even during the day, like doing client events and working with them, I get to have my creativity and make it my own spin on it. But yes, it's, if you had told me that I was going to be in a math driven industry, even in college, I would have told you, you were full of crap because I, absolutely have a math phobia and it was it goes all the way back to third grade <laughs> and uh, had a teacher that just I talked too much and I was the chatty Kathy and she didn't want to deal with me so she kicked me out all the time and told me to go talk to the guidance counselor so I missed third grade is math is a multiplication that's a big year and so I always had this crutch on my shoulders about math and so look y'all now I'm I'm doing math <laughs> <laughs> She look, she good look, at Ma, math. I made it. <laughs> she does math good. I, I am not so good at math. That's why I majored in communication. <laughs> but it, it's just every every job opportunity, every person you meet opens up new doors. I don't think Cam ever thought. I mean, you're kind of you're going back and doing TV related stuff now. Yeah, that's and true it, with Bull TV. Yeah, yeah. I went to co- uh, college for because I wanted to be a TV anchor. I thought that was cool, and I wanted to be in front of the camera. I enjoyed the classes, but my senior year, I was like. I don't want to start my job in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. No, no offense, Alabama. <laughs> but that's what you have to do as an anchor and move markets every couple of years. And yep. it takes a long time. But I knew I had strong communication skills. So I sought out a communications director role. David Pickler called me. And this is the perfect fit. So a door closed, door opened. Voila. It's a, another quote that David likes to say all the time is, you skate to where the puck is going to be. Yes, that is... 
Uh, famously, what Wayne Gretzky told reporters when, when asked, you know, to what do you attribute your greatness, Wayne Gretzky said, uh, other hockey players skate to where the puck is. I skate to where the puck will be. Yeah. So it's that sort of uh, predictive future type of thing. Well, and I guess I'm kind of doing it because I, I said I either wanted to be a lawyer or a teacher. And when I decided not to do teaching, then I, I thought about going the business route and trying to then go to law school. And I did one semester of business and I was like, eh, statistics, <laughs> economics. Again, this is where I am now. Yeah. But I hated it. But I always had said when I was younger, like, I'm proud of my dad for starting this business. I want to be very involved in it. But I knew that I didn't want to go to law school and I didn't want to do financial. And now it kind of all full circle. It works. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, you know, I'm just adding letters. I'm not going to, to school anymore, but I do take I do take courses. I do take tests. I keep learning. I try to stay relevant, try to become indispensable. It's, you know, I don't know why this this line from this movie stuck with me for so long but every time i think about uh, think about becoming indispensable i always think of the line you're not expendable john rambo uh it's a line that it's a line that the vietnamese woman who is helping him in rambo uh, in rambo in uh-huh. first blood part 2 rambo okay. Uh, she, um, she, he, he says that he's expendable and, and, you know, they're sitting there on this boat in the, on a river in Vietnam. And she's like, you're not expendable, John Rambo. And for, you know, that's, that's, I want somebody to say to me at some point, you know, you're not expendable, Court Winsett. Yeah. That's my dream. I do have to throw out though, when you said about you just collecting letters behind your name and all of that, um, do your research. Don't just decide, oh, I, I can't get a job. Let me go and get my master's or let me go do that because, You've got to look at the risk versus reward. And if you're about to go drop $60,000 or whatever it may be to go get a master's, do some research. Do your own homework and figure out, is that really going to change your game? Is getting a master's and spending all this time doing that really going to change your opportunity to get a job? Now, if you're in a field where yes, then go for it. Absolutely. But don't just fill up more time racking up more student loan debts. Right. Don't do it. Harvard MBA, that's going to help you. If you if you get a Harvard MBA and then you go to New York and try and get a job and uh, that uses your MBA ness, they MBA-ness. will. MBA-ness. <laughs> it will it will help you. But getting a getting a master's degree in basket weaving after that first ba- underwater basket weaving degree that you got in college didn't work out for you so well. Getting a master's in it is not. Can you get a doctorate in? basket weaving? I don't know. Those would be some really good baskets. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, think back to our list earlier of, you know, all these celebrities. Yes, they were actors and all of that, but they started out in basic random kind of jobs. Mm-hmm. And they just, you know, kept their, they kept the puck, they kept their future in sight, but they also realized you got to pivot. You got to make sure that you're going, you know, where you, where you want to go. Make sure you have the skills that you can make a change in course if you need to. But don't burden yourself with a lot of debt for a degree that you're not going to use. Because I, I don't know if you said this earlier, but the the, the statistic jumps out at me a lot, which is um, only 21% of college graduates use more yes. of or all of their education in their work or career. Well, and the other one I don't think I threw out there was adults age 25 and over make up more than 40% of college students. That shocked me. Well, that means a lot of people have spent some time sort of... 
Or does it mean that they're going back to get more degrees because they, because they can't find got a job or crap degree the first time? Well, that and, could be possible too. Um, and, and there's nothing. I mean, there's some people that have a lot of degrees and they can then utilize it for different things. Katie, I feel like this bull ride is about over, don't you? Yeah, we've talked about a lot of things for sure. <laughs> Lots of stuff for you to go think about and talk to your kids about. I like that you basically, you know. I It's the bullpen. <laughs> no. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our main segment. Now we're going to give you our bullseye. You ready to bullseye? I'm ready to bullseye. Are you ready to bullseye? I mean, we just finished the bullpen, so let's bullseye. Oh, we, we just got off that bull because we just finished riding that bull. <laughs> you want me to go first? I mean, you can. You know what your bullseye is? I got it. Okay, well, why don't you give it to me then? Okay, so I'm going to take the approach of the soft skills. You need to make sure that you are constantly sharpening those skills, that you are making yourself a likable person, someone who a company would want to hire, that you are taking care of your communication skills, your mannerisms, and that you are making it where, yes, you're willing to learn and be a lifelong learner and get the hard skills of whatever industry you're in, but also that you're taking care of those interpersonal skills and making sure that you can work and you don't get the phone call of you don't fit our culture. Yeah, that was a tough one for me. <laughs> um, okay, so that's Katie's bullseye. Now for mine. Um, my bullseye is this. There are so many potential careers for you out there. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, I'm talking to your kids. I'm talking to your your youngsters. I'm talking to the ones that have come home from college and they don't know what they're going to do. I'm telling. I'm, t- I'm talking to the people that are deciding whether they want to go to college. So feel free to, to, to let them hear my words right now. There are so many things out there that you can do as a career that you probably have not ever even heard of. Some that aren't even created yet. I mean, so make yourself prepared to tackle a new career that you never even heard of that doesn't even exist five years ago by constantly learning but also keep yourself open to the possibilities and really do your research what do you i mean look into what is out there before you really decide how the best approach to tackling that potential career is going what the best approach to tackling that potential career is going to be so many options keep your options open and prepare well so that you can pivot. <laughs> pivot! Bullseye! Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of The Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you haven't already, I have to ask why you haven't, but go ahead and subscribe to our podcast by going to your favorite subscription service, clicking that button that says, yes, subscribe. Send it to me every week, please. I want more. Beam it directly into my brain. And share it with your friends. We don't have that technology yet, but it's coming soon, I'm sure. Beaming directly into your brain sometime soon. See, that'll be a new thing. Somebody, there'll be a a brain beamer job out there. (laughs) It'll be great. Okay, uh, if, you, if you'd like to find out more about me and Katie or leave us a comment on our website, you can go to bullcastpodcast.com. We also have pictures on Instagram. That handle is at bullcastpodcast. And we have words on Twitter. That handle is at bull, bullcastpodcast as well. So there's all of those things. We mentioned our boss today, specifically in the episode. And where we work is Pickler Wealth Advisors. If you'd like to find out more about us, obviously, because we're very uh, egocentric, more about our awesome team more about our boss more about
about the place we work, go to picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you everything you need to go forth and prosper. So please go forth and prosper now. For now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. Boom. We out. We out.